Sam, you're the dancer. You should be like, I know, right? the dancer, right? <laughs> Welcome, all you business geeks, to the Business Geeks Podcast, an entrepreneurial show where three friends geek out loud and proud on everybody's business. I'm Super Joe Pardo of superjoepardo.com and indiepodcasters.com. I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Jennifer Crawford, the co-founder of Sparent.co, and Samantha Riley of samanthariley.global. This week, we are talking profit first and whether or not it is the proper approach for your business. We have some other, I think we have, if we have time, we'll get to some other segments as well. But I think this is a pretty big one that I know both Sam and Jen are really ready to wallop on. So uh, is that a wallopy? Is that well, it the- is now. It is now. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Make, making up words because we're nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so oh, much. Oh, we love Jen. you, Jane. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So, so, Jen, it is your topic this week. So, where did this come from? Where did you find this? Well, I mean, Profit First is out there in the business world. It's an accounting method made popular by business author. That's really hard to say. Business author Mike McCallowicz. He also wrote, what, The Pumpkin Plan, and he's got a new book out uh, that I want to read called What to Do Next. Mm-hmm. So he's a best-selling business author. Profit First really, I don't know when this book was published, actually, but it's been out a while. And it basically flips the generally accepted accounting practices formula of sales minus expenses equals profit, it flips it around. And this is the foundation of profit first. There's certainly more to it. It gets, there's some complexity to it, but the foundation is the formula of sales minus your profit equals your expenses. And he came up with this based on something called Parkinson's law which if you haven't heard of Parkinson's law, it's our tendency to consume a resource when it is made available. So essentially, that resource in this situation would be your revenue or your sales. We would just consume it (laughs) with expenses if we do not put profit in the forefront of that equation. In the first equation, sales minus expenses equals profit. Your profit is the last thing in that equation. And sometimes we never get to it because we're consuming our revenue with business operating expenses. So that is basically the theory behind the formula. I'm really fond of this formula. I'm going to go out on a a limb and go ahead and play my cards in this debate. And we'll get into, into why. But Because I'm fond of the formula and I'm a skeptic by nature, when I was researching for this episode, I did try to find alternative viewpoints. I wanted to find somebody who thought this formula was poppycock. And I did find somebody, and I think there's somebody else on this podcast who might think the same. So I thought it would, you know, stir up a really meaty discussion Does profit work apply to all businesses? Should you consider this accounting method in your business? By the way, there are certified profit-first professionals, accountants who have been certified in this accounting practice. So you can find an accountant and a bank even to work these accounting principles in mind. So Mm -hmm. anyway, we're going to get into it here. So we had an article 
This woman's name is Sigrun. I think she's Scandinavian by the sounds of it. She's some sort of European. (laughs) First of all, Sigrun is not taking anything from anybody. I don't know if you can pull it up, Joe. Yeah. But this is the first, the first, you know, visual you get of Sigrun. Like I am. frightened like she was gonna say are you scared of her i'm a little scared of her it's like how profit first kills business growth and it, while we're talking about killing i do that on the side like it's, she's very scary she's a very very scary woman also before oh. sam I, I can't do all the talking but i want to say that when i was trying to find an alternative viewpoint first of all she SEO ranking is like top notch on this post. It's the only one I could find. I could not find a lot of alternative viewpoints on this profit first methodology. So, you know, Sigrun is it. Sigrun's <laughs> all, Sigrun and, and Sam are our alternative viewpoints because there's not well, a lot you've of ju- that You've there. just dropped me in there. You have just dropped me in there. Look, first off, I loved learning about Parkinson's law. I can't believe I hadn't heard of Parkinson's law. The biggest thing I learned was now I understand when Leon opens a block of chocolate, why I must eat the whole block of chocolate. There's actually a law about it. So let's just start there because why not? (laughs) Do you guys agree with me on the chocolate? Oh, the chocolate, the chips, the cookies, the cake, the the ice cream. Yes. There's There's a highway thing about that too, right? If you build four lanes, you'll consume all four lanes with traffic. If yes. you build five lanes, five lanes will find its way there. Like and it's 100% true. This is why I vote against every single highway addendum <laughs> when I vote. No, 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 no highways. Jen just loves uh, miles and miles of traffic. Yeah, yeah. so much I, fun. I work for anyway, anyway. I care. Anyway, <laughs> so the profit first methodology to me when I first heard it made perfect sense I love the idea of you know getting all of the different bank accounts and taking out your profit first and you know taking out your tax and taking out your your wages and taking out all these things and I understand the idea that you know when we've got a smaller plate so essentially our expenses when there's less money there that we spend less I get it I don't think it's a really smart way to grow a business. So I'm talking sort of the first three or four years. I don't think that it serves someone who wants to grow their business quickly. That's the problem, Sam. Too many people want to grow their business too quickly. I think profit is the perfect and most appropriate governor to appropriate growth. Like, I think you should grow with your profit pace. And when you grow like faster than that, I think you you risk building an unhealthy company. How many companies have we seen and who have revenue, huge revenue, multi-millions of dollars of revenue with and they don't show a profit and they eventually mm. crumble because their operating expenses and their debt are out of control. I am like a slow grow girl when it comes to business. I don't think there's any shame in the game of growing your business slow. I think there's so much pressure to hit number, hit a certain number by a certain date. And revenue is vanity. It is just vanity. If you're making a million dollars but aren't showing a profit, you know, I'll take a hundred thousand dollar business that's showing a, a nice 30, 40% profit over that any day, growing slow and growing healthily. That's kind of where I'm at with this. Mm. 
Well, hold on. The, the flip side to that is depending how the business is supposed to thrive going forward, right? Like you do a million dollars and you make zero dollars in profit, that can be okay as long as the asset that you have is worth something, right? So if that's user base and they're paying you month over month, then it's not the end of the world to say, okay, well, they're paying month over month or they're locked no. into these contracts. No, no. We no. can we can we can borrow on the future a little bit. No, I want to cuss so badly right now and I can't. No. <laughs> if you're bring if you're bringing in a million dollars in revenue and you can't make a profit, get out of business. I'm sorry. You have a user base that you have a huge user base that you can't get a pro No, no, no. No, no, I, no it's cuz you spent just, that. It's cuz you spent. It's not that you're not making profit. You shouldn't have been spending it. See, this is where I think that, and it was something that was in the, uh, there was a TED talk that Mike Michalowicz did. No, it was in Sigrun's article. I'm so sorry. And she was saying that it's kind of like profit first is the kindergarten version. It's the safe version for people that don't understand numbers. And I agree because I think that we can run advertising where we're breaking even. So we're making no profit, but we're making no loss because we're smart enough to know what we can make off the back of that. I think that I hear what you're saying, Jen, in that it can send people to the wall. But for those of us that are smart enough to figure it out, I think that there is another way. Yeah. And there may be, I guess the counterpoint to that is if you're spending like so much in advertising that you're reducing or negating your profit and that advertising doesn't pay off, there's no guarantee. Like you may know what you may be the most extremely savvy advertiser on the planet and you can still have an advertising fail. And then what happens? You put on a credit card, you take out a loan, you get more investor money and you get other people sinking money into your business. I think that's just there is this like gambling mentality mm -hmm. of business that can be really dangerous. Totally. And business is like gambling. And I think that Mary Sue just talked about software startups falling into this model. And I think that there is something that you said, Jen, that I totally agree with. And that's people that that have other people's money. So the people that, that have investors and have all this money, and I've seen it time and time again where they think, wow, I've got all this money. I'm going to take a wage. And then what mm -hmm. happens? All they do is spend all that money really quickly. So I'm not saying it works every time. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that it works some of the time. And I think that Sigrun in her article was, she did specifically say that, it, you know, it was her and her husband. She was very open at the end of the article and said that she didn't take any money out in the first three years, but her husband was supporting her so that she could grow fast enough to then retire him, which is, I get. That was totally the business model that I went with. <laughs> but guess, guess what I didn't. Too. Guess uh -huh, what I didn't see her. But guess what? Guess what business is? If you're if you want a safe bet, don't go into business. Well, that's that's true. I mean, there's it's a gamble by nature. But um, one thing I didn't see Sigrun talk about. I heard her talk a lot about revenue. And again, revenue is vanity. She talked mm -hmm. a lot about how oh, because I I uh, you know went against this model, I was able to grow my revenue, grow my revenue. But she doesn't talk about profit. I don't care how much revenue you have, Sigrun, because you could have just as much debt as you have revenue. And she talks about putting all these expenses on her credit card. I wouldn't recommend it. I've done it. A lot of times it doesn't work out. So I know she went into debt to do this. I know she spent more money than she had. She didn't pay herself anything. Um, yeah, she got to a lot of revenue, but that tells me very little. That doesn't tell me that 
that her way was better. It told me that there's a big chance that it wasn't. What about the flip side of like, <laughs> okay, so you you operate like Amazon. We we operate at a loss so we can do a bunch of write-offs and, you know, make it up in the taxes after the fact. Don't recommend that. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't recommend necessarily that. recommend it either, but well, I mean, it's worth for them versus, all right, so the flip side of that is Apple, right? Very much profit first. If we're not making a killer profit on it, then we ain't making it, right? And that was laid back in the 90s, right? Like we got to simplify and make a big profit on the things that we do make. Um, so yeah, I I could see advantages to both, uh, mm. you know, to both. I, I think that understanding how much profit you have to play with I mean, I think that can add in the end in the same landslide as just spending right into the, you know, into a deficit because you look at it and you're like, oh, well, okay, we have $4,000 of profit this month. Well, you know what our ad budget for next month is? $4,000. And now, you know, you're hoping that, you know, you can get to 8000 the next month to say, you know what, our ad budget is going to be 8000 you know, the following month. Everything's, mm-hmm. yeah, and each of those is a gamble, 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 gamble. And it's all in this quest to build a company quickly. Slow down, everybody. Yeah, Stacy makes the point. I think we said that Sigrun was supported by her husband. Okay, if you have a big yeah, fat totally safety, she was. Yeah, if you have a big fat safety net, um, maybe you can do your own accounting. You know, you don't have to do profit first, but I would still, I would still advise against it because safety nets, you know what happens to safety nets? They go away all the time. Ah, See, they do, but I'll give you another side to that. They give you confidence to move forward because how many people are so fearful Mm -hmm. that they cannot move forward? I've seen time and time again people that don't have a safety net, don't have money in the bank, whether it's, you know, supported by her husband, whether it's selling a house, putting money in the bank. When they don't have that, they're so fearful to actually make that money that I think that having that safety net can give you the confidence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, safety nets are not bad. I'm just saying that I think the best way to grow a business is assuming that what happens if that safety net isn't there? What if, gosh forbid, your your husband is killed in a a car accident or um, you find out he's cheating on you and he's running away to the Bahamas with his, you know, 20-year-old, you know, girlfriend? Things happen all the time. I think as business owners, our, our goal is what? To build a legacy. They become financially... Um, to have financial freedom, to align our values with our work, um, to to have the lifestyle um, that we desire. So th- those are big things. And I don't think you can have any of that without a really strong foundation. And I don't think strong foundations are built overnight. I think they're built um, with care and over time. I think they're built slowly. You know, ever have do you ever have you ever seen a house that seems seemingly goes up in a day? I don't want to live. Now. I don't want to live in that house. I feel like that house is going to fall down. I want people to take time building a house. I want to live in a house that took like a couple months to build, maybe a year to build. I don't want to live in the house that goes up in twenty four hours. So, I mean, I think it's the same thing with the business. You have to have the a healthy infrastructure. Mm. Personally, I don't think three years is really super fast either. Yeah. No. Mm. No, No, so, and that's the kind of the, you know, that sort of three to seven years is the the general for building a business Mm -hmm. and being able to take profit. That's certainly what I've experienced every time. It took us, in my first business, it took us seven years to get to a million a year. That's not so. Slow. That, that that's, that's not so. But I was pulling that. I was putting that profit straight back into the business. Yeah. The first three years, we did not take out a cent. 
Yeah. And I've been there. My first business. Yeah. I grew that to be a, I grew that to a seven figure business. I did have a salary at the end, but I didn't have a salary in the first, you know, several years, like first five, six years. I didn't have a salary. I took, you know, draws when I needed it, needed it, but I didn't have a salary. And I didn't, had mm. never even heard of the, I don't even think Profit First had been around. So let's talk about that then, Jen. If that very first business that you turned into a seven-figure business, you didn't pull a salary for the first three years, what would have been different if you took your profit first from day one? How do you think that the growth of that business would have been? I think it would have been a little bit different. I think I would have probably moved into an office space not as quickly. So I moved the business out of my home into a professional office space. I took on that overhead. I felt like I could afford it, but probably if I was doing profit first, maybe that would have happened a little bit later in the trajectory of the business. That was like a big expense to take on. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have the advertising like back then. This is gonna so date me, but I know, oh. she, I know she, <laughs> back then your your marketing budget was completely uh-huh. spent Huge. on the yellow pages phone uh-huh. book, like there is no internet. <laughs> so so maybe I wouldn't have gotten the the red text, you know, which is a lot more than if you had black and white text or, or black text on the yellow. So yeah, I think I think it probably it would have had had some effect. It's hard. It's hard to get into your time machine and think back, especially since oh, it, was totally. a, it was a while ago. But I'm sure it would have had a bit of an impact because, yeah, there were expenses. And because I was scaling the business, you know, there were, you know, times when I was bringing in expenses before we had scaled to the point where that profit margin was where I wanted it. Mm, every mm. business is different. Yes, it's true. Absolutely. Every true. business is different. Yeah. And every person that's running the business is different. And that's what I am definitely getting from this conversation is that profit first would definitely work for some people. And for some people who maybe don't understand numbers so well, I think it would be a safer bet to use this this methodology than just to be flying by the seat of your pants. What I realized, and it was quite funny, I was talking to Leon about this, but, you know, this morning before we went live is that I always used to say that I was bad at money. And after seeing this, I realized, hmm, maybe not so much because I do understand how to move it around really quickly, more than I thought, (laughs) because I thought that this would slow me down way too much. Ah, interesting. Uh, Interesting. Brent says, in our case, the value of our paid users uh, increases as we grow. So to try to monetize overgrowing early could end up being our Achilles heel. Just a thought. Mm. He's talking about for pod.net, which you should totally go check out. Totally should go check out pod.net. So, yeah, I I am. Yes, you definitely should check out. Um, Well, all I can say is, I mean, it's hard to me personally to apply this on the fly to every business. But I will say that. The theory behind it is that it will work for every business. Like it does work in every business. That's what what Michael McCallowitz says. Mm-hmm. So, and it really is all about not eating up your revenue with operating costs and forgetting about profit. I, I mean, you guys have got to know people. I know people that do not focus on the profit. Oh, hundred percent. The revenue, and they hundred percent. They'll tell you, they'll tell yeah, you we, all day long. We bring in $300,000 and our ad spend is $300,000. Like I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying that this works for everyone. And also I actually do think for a business that's stabilized, that sort of come off that really steep growth, I think that this really does work. 
I'm specifically talking about that startup, that growth. Yeah. yeah. But with the caveat that that person really does need to understand their numbers. Yes. You have to, well, that's what I like about the the system. The more, the complexity in the system is that it does force you to check in on your numbers more frequently and divide out your accounts. And there's like checks and balances in place to make sure that you're funneling your funds to profit before your expenses. And there's ways to do that. We're not going to get into that here. Hire your profit first, you know, certified professional if you're interested in that. (laughs) Uh, I am not that. I am just behind the theory because revenue means just nothing. It means so Mm -hmm. little. It means Mm -hmm. so little unless you can show profit. And then profit, I've been sharing this meme that Mary Sue, one of our our listeners shared with me, which I love. And it's revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity. Cash is king. I say cash is queen, but you get the idea. It's like revenue doesn't mean anything until you can make a profit. Profit Mm -hmm. is nice, but it's really, it's not the end because you really Mm -mm. need to make enough profit that you can pay yourself. Totally. Yeah. And align align that revenue with your values and your lifestyle. So it's sort of like this, this tier. And I think a lot of us business owners never get past the revenue to the profit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So two things before we get to two points here, how do you propose that we fix it? Because like, obviously, I I mean, from our conversations that we've had off the air, like I'm very much like, how can I make the most amount of profit so I can keep the most amount of the million dollar pie that I can right in my mm-hmm. business? And sometimes that means doing a lot more than I probably should, but not to have those recurring costs so that I can, again, keep more of the pie. Mm-hmm. But so you're at that three hundred thousand at three hundred thousand problem, right? So mm-hmm. so it's the three hundred thousand dollar problem. Mm-hmm. How how do you guys propose? Because I mean, my thought mm-hmm. is you need either you know target your ads better, right, or and or increase the prices of what you're selling or the funnel to get there, to, you know, to the ultimate prize. One of those two things I, I feel has to give. Because so, if you start shrinking up how much you advertise, there's a direct correlation there, and that's not good either. Well, there there could be so many more problems than that as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, again, I go back to like growing at the appropriate rate with your profit. So, okay. So I don't know if this will be helpful with thinking through that, Joe, but they, Mike McCallowicz, um, he says that in all different fields, he discovers that a healthy million dollar business will be taking a profit of about 15%. That's above and beyond the owner's $200,000 pay. And that's with $150,000 in reserve for corporate tax responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, most of us don't have a million dollar business. But if you can follow this model and allocate the percentages, so uh, that would be 15% of your revenue to profits, 35% set aside for taxes, and the remaining 50% is what's left for your operating budget, including payroll, overhead, and any other expenses. So if you don't have that million-dollar business, the numbers can still apply to you. He says any model, any size. The principle remains the same. So so work backwards. Mm. I think your profit should govern your expenses. It's so tempting to spend all that money on Facebook ads, but maybe you shouldn't. Not yet. Definitely. I'm... I'm 
I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> Super Joe Pardo and I had that exact same conversation yes, last week, didn't we not? What, 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 what a mess. What <laughs> and a mess. it turned into what one a... of my episodes on the Thought Leaders Business Lab last week, that exact topic. About reinvesting. the right time to oh. reinvest into Facebook ads. Oh, yeah, Facebook ads. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> what I'm talking about here is not necessarily Facebook ads. It could be taking on a coach or it could be mm-hmm. taking on a mentor. It could yeah. be uh, taking on a team. So when I think about when I first started my coaching business, I took on a team like straight away, straight away because I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. I knew that if I got held up trying to create all the tech, that I wouldn't be going to market for like two months, three months because I know that that's what would happen. So I took on that team and I went to market within a week. I paid that first, so the profit first wouldn't have worked for me. So I'm not saying it doesn't work. I actually I actually think that it's a really, really great method for people to concentrate moving forward. I don't think it agrees. It, um, I don't agree that it would work for a startup. That's where I'm sitting. Ah. I've, I've taken my space and I've owned it. I, re- <laughs> I respectfully disagree. I think a startup is a perfect use of the profit first method. I, that's where I will, that's where I will, that's where I stand. And this, after this, you know, as we wrap up this conversation, Super Joe Pardo. I think, I think it depends. Where I think do you it depends. Stand, if, Joe? You, if you're uh, like our girl Sig Run here and have, you know, a, a backing for three years of it doesn't really matter, then I mean, go for it, right? Just spend the money and roll the dice, right? And see what you get. Uh, <sighs> but if you don't, if you don't have that, then, then I think making sure that the profit is right is is imperative to go along with that brent basham said most startups have investors specifically because they have to take on a huge loss to build something with zero revenue and profit which i mean yeah i mean that's would be why most startups have it not most startups have investors because most i when i first heard that i was thinking most startups have investors which they don't I mean, probably, I don't know, 10%, if that, have have investors well, out and, of the gate. Yeah. And how many of those investors have gotten their money back? So few. Well, yeah, but that's, that's, the, that's the whole game, right? Like, that's, hey, if I invest exactly in 100 the of them, hopefully two of them will hit huge and, one, and like yeah. five of them will at least get my money out of it at some point yeah. and get I'm, my money to come, yeah. come back. Let's but face it. If business was a safe thing, everyone would be doing it, right? It's, yeah. it's true. It's true. But so many businesses go for investor money because they're in a hurry. They're in yeah. a hurry. Slow it down, people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I would totally agree with that. And I think a lot of times I don't think that people understand the weight of that because now you're a slave to the person that gave mm-hmm, you all mm-hmm. that money. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. you, you took in a million and a half, a million and a half of dollars. Like, congratulations. And now you now, need to show the numbers yeah, back to that investor. <laughs> yeah. You need to, to be running 24 seven for that person. And hopefully you don't fail because. And this, and this is what it's like. We're going back to the house built in the day. You get the investor money. It's like, your foundation is made of sand and you're building the walls out of solid gold. Like it's going to fall down. It's not going to stand the test of time. It's going to fall down. You have to, thank you. You've got to be scrappy. You got to have the foundation. You can't just, you can't just grow so fast that you, you forget about the profit and you eat up all that, that money with operating expenses before, before you're ready to really Mm. do that. 
anyway. so that brings us to Brent's question, which is, yeah. so do you think Amazon could have been Amazon any other way? I don't know. I can't speak to Amazon. It's it's, it's a behemoth. I don't know exactly. But it wasn't a behemoth. It's no, started, it wasn't. It, it, you know, I don't, yeah, so. Everyone starts at day one, right? Right. Everyone starts at yeah. day one. But I can't, I don't know what Jeff Bezos did in the beginning. I don't know what he did with his money. I don't know. Have you how ever seen he, any of the pictures of him back yeah. in like the 90s? Yes, yeah. so in like the, the room where he's got like the like the homemade Amazon sign. I love so, that. So uh, Brent might be able to answer this, but didn't Amazon take like zero? They were pretty much selling at the beginning what their costs were. Like wasn't it neutral? There was no profits there, but they, it, did I get that right, Brent? I'm not a massive Amazon well, a lot of where, person where either. Amazon's money comes from now is through their S3 service, their hosting services so for for online. So, like selling stuff is still not like a super profitable thing for them because by the time they ship it and the free shipping stuff. But there was a was it there was a statistic that said like 83 percent of Americans or something have Amazon Prime. What? Yeah, that is I think huge. it was like 80, 85 percent, 83 percent. How many Americans? I have, have it. Amazon. Oh, you got it already? Oh, I have it too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have Amazon Prime. Oh, uh, so, so wait. Okay, so it says eighty. Yeah, eighty-two percent of U.S. households have an Amazon Prime membership, and that was as wow. of twenty uh, July a year ago. Yeah, so That's it is crazy. it is massive. And look, I think that again, he knew his numbers. And this is what I come back to. You have to know your numbers. You know, in the article, I think Sigrun was saying that you need to, you know, do your numbers twice a month. My accountant would have, like absolutely have a heart attack. He's all for do your numbers every day. You need to know mm. at every single mm-hmm. moment what's coming yeah. in and what's going out. We know exactly every cost that's coming out of our business mm-hmm. every month. We know exactly what's coming in. We know what's coming up. We already have done our our goals and our projections. We know what's what we're projecting to come in, what we're you know expecting to do with that, how we're going to grow. Like we can pull our numbers apart so well, and I think that that's what this is about. If you can do that, then maybe you don't need to be so rigid with your little plates. Maybe not. Well, that's our discussion on profit. <laughs> I recommend getting the book, and uh, I do and recommend reading the book and entertaining it. Yeah, um, totally. Thanks for bringing that topic to the table, Jen. I think it's actually really good because what I want to leave people with is that no two businesses are the same, no two people are the same, and you have to you know, take all of these different, like learn as much as you can, know your numbers so that you can start to understand where you sit because it depends what your personal risk, you know, um, I was going to say factors, but, you know, some of us can put up with risk more than others. Some of us are better at numbers more than others. You know, we're all different. So thanks, Jen. It was good, good yeah. conversation. My pleasure. I, you know, I love a good debate. That's, you know, <laughs> I love a good debate. Uh, I, you know, one other thing I, I want to leave with is un, I think understanding the future of what you're doing and where it's going and mm-hmm. the potential for it to be commoditized and, mm-hmm. and seeing like, oh, like, you know, one of our biggest problems back in the day was like we'd have these break drums and each one cost $62. We had to buy a pallet and there's 20 on a pallet and then you had to buy a trailer and there's 20 pallets on a trailer. So it's like you have to invest like $20,000 per trailer and you go through them like water and you can only you're only allowed to make like three or four dollars per per piece uh, That's because ridiculous. it's so because it became so commoditized because they watered down the numbers. There used to be like hundreds of different numbers, and they watered down the numbers down to like 
eight numbers, one of them primarily being the one you need to buy trailer loads of at a time. And it, you just tie up so much capital to make three mm. or four dollars a piece. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So so just, uh, you know, understanding again, going back to like understanding the numbers and understanding the market and where it's headed. And is it is it potential like. Is it going to be commoditized? Is the thing we're selling going to be end up being commoditized at some yeah, point? Yeah, but understanding that big picture, because that three or four dollars might come with a different product that you make five hundred dollars on. So this right. is where there's not one like one story. Yep. You have to be able to you have to understand the big picture. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because if if you know if you, that's your you know your loss leader effectively, especially because you have to figure like they're heavy too. Brake jumps are, are big, heavy things. So when you start talking about insurance to like move them, and if somebody gets hurt, workman's cop and all that, it's like when you factor all that in, it's like, ugh, like we got to sell a lot of other things to make up for the fact that we're selling these by the pallet, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah, uh, was it Marcia says uh, definitely case by case. Totally agree with the strength of the foundation is paramount for significant long term success. Thanks yes. for that, Marcia. And and I yes. think I think you know what the other thing is. I think you have to feel good about it, right? And that mm-hmm. and that might sound like a bit of a woo woo thing, but you have to feel good about what you're putting together, and you know whether or not the numbers that you're pulling in feel make you feel good right mm-hmm. and the revenue thing is great but it's also a huge trap because if you're ex- you know you don't look at the expenses i you're just like ah look we're doing a million dollars like you you know i don't know that i agree with that that no? because no i mean a number is a number you either pro- i mean you know what i feel good about i feel good about a profitable business like i mean yeah but a 50 percent profit and a 90 percent profit they break profit yeah but it's like but not getting caught up like you said joe i think you kind of um I don't know. Maybe I missed your point, but um, oh, but you, you can you can easily feel really good about bringing in you know a hundred thousand dollars a month. Oh my God! You you bring in that a hundred thousand dollars a month. You feel successful. You feel successful. But if your you know your operating expenses are ninety nine thousand dollars a month. You're not successful. Right. I mean, you're not you know financially. Your business is not successful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right but you have to what i'm saying is you have to feel good about that like the fact that like hey i only made a thousand dollars this month right but i don't think I feel, you should feel good about that well <laughs> no, unless it, you but, know but you're about depends. to make five hundred thousand the next month right. and this is like, where the yeah it's the such differences a, in the business models come, uh-huh. come out right so that's uh, yeah. what i'm saying you have to feel good about that and say okay it's a thousand dollars I'm not ashamed of the fact that they only made a thousand dollars because I'm looking, you know, next month and three months from now and where our trajectory is because of the growth that we're continuing to have month over month. And, you know, like everything as a whole, the picture is looking better and better, even if the profit is. Because guess what? If Amazon had, you know, ducked out, you know, 20 years ago, we mm-hmm. wouldn't have our Amazon Prime accounts today. I, you know, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I don't know how exactly they ran their business. I don't know. I can't, I can't rewind and redo it a, a differently. But I do know if your operating expenses are 100% of your revenue, something's wrong. I don't care what your business model is. I really don't. 100% operating expenses does not make any sense in any world, in any scenario, as far as I'm concerned. I'm just going to be very opinionated. <laughs> that's not like you at all jen that's not like any of us <laughs> we're not all three of us are not opinionated at all <laughs> very, very opinionated today oh wow i'll wake up, up tomorrow and i'll think differently who knows? before we wrap up jen who's getting your uh, lunch money this week oh my lunch money okay I want everyone to go to Splotch Monster Island today and just bask 
on that island of whimsical creatures, splotchmonsterisland.com. These creatures are created, they're one of a kind by uh, Steve, Loya, Steve Loya, a personal friend of mine. He's married to another artist, also a friend of mine, Chris Loya. And they recently collaborated on a series that they've worked on for the past month. And they, they're both artists, but they have their own unique style. So Chris and Steve combined to make these, the Stop and Smell the Flowers series. And the reason I wanted to bring them up is not only they're amazingly talented, but they put together the series. They shared with their audience as they were creating it all month. We got like a sneak peek on the to see the works in progress. And then they had an adoption and they opened up their online shop on Sunday at 11 a.m. Before that, there was no artwork in the shop. But at 11 a.m., all the pieces showed up. They sold out in less than an hour by wow. building up that excitement, having something like, first of all, wonderful. I bought four. I adopted four of their originals. And if you have anybody that's watching, if you have a chance, just click and read the little stories that are written, their original little tales that go along with each of these splotch monsters um, that tells you a little bit about their personalities and their daily lives. And it really helps bring them to life. And you just fall in, you can't help but fall in love with them. So I love them as artists, but I also just loved their sales strategy. I loved how they build excitement. I loved how they built a, a sense of urgency to purchase. Oh, and by the way, while I was purchasing, they were flying off the shelves. Like, in fact, I couldn't even put them all in one basket. I had to buy them individually because as I was purchasing, I was seeing the sold, you know, stickers wow. come up on each one. And I was like, I'm going to miss that. So that's, that's how you do it. It was a great lesson in marketing and creating a demand and a sense of urgency and excitement. It was just fun. Um, I think they married business and art so wonderfully, and I'm so proud of them. They're very that's cute. Awesome. They're very cute. Absolutely love it. All right. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Business Geeks. Thank you, everybody, for yeah. uh, tuning in uh, live. Mary Sue, Brent, Stacy, Marsha. You know, I, I'm glad somebody's here for the opinions. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> I, know, I know I am. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Aw, Marsha said she loves us. And we love you guys, Aww. too. And I love it when people disagree with me or disagree with any of us. Or, um, <laughs> I just, I like a good conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I, absolutely. Because it helps people to, to make up their own mind instead of just blindly following. And I think that that's dangerous in business. Yeah. Exactly. I think it just makes you think. You can't take everything at face value. I think mm -hmm. it's good to, to critically think about these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Mary Sue says, let's be honest, a lot of micro business owners don't have a business model. Every business is not the oh, future Amazon. 100%. So, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> so, so there you go. We all agreed finally on something. Mary Sue said something and we all agreed. Yes. <laughs> brought us back together. Yeah. Thanks, Mary Sue. <laughs> the family's back together. Yes. <laughs> Eating our turkey. Yeah. <laughs> that was oh, thanks, dear. Joe, Thank that you, was Deidre. good. Appreciate Thank you. that. I, I tell us more. We'll hang on. Thanks. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode, uh if you've enjoyed this episode of the 
Business Geeks podcast. Share it with the business geek in your life. Send us your questions and suggestions over at questions at businessgeekspodcast.com. Catch us next Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and Tuesday, 7 a.m. Australian Eastern Time. For Sam and Jen, I'm Super Joe Pardo. Have a great week. We'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye. Bye.